Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media. Twice a month, we produce this video show and podcast with the generous support of my friends at CIO.com and the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and on our CIO channel on YouTube. And because we are streaming to you right now, we encourage any of our faithful viewers, our alert, our alert viewers that are dialing in to join the conversation in the chat with questions of your own. We have editors watching that space and they will pass those questions along to me. And I will do my best to pass those along to my esteemed guest today, who is Matt Losmanis. He is the Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at Sage Therapeutics. Next month will actually mark Matt's three-year anniversary at this Cambridge mass-based biotech company, which he joined in November of 2020. Matt's mission there is focused on creating and leveraging a digital-driven approach to data analytics, to digital health and bio biomarkers, AI and advanced analytics, cybersecurity, and of course, omni-channel customer experiences. Sage is a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company developing new therapies to treat people with debilitating disorders of the brain, including mood, cognition, and behavior issues. Earlier this year, the company received FDA approval for a new treatment to help women with postpartum depression. Before he joined Sage, Matt spent 20 years with GlaxoSmithKline, most recently serving as the Chief Digital and Technology Officer for GSK's multi-billion dollar U.S. affiliate, where he led a team of over 500 internal and external staff. Among his many roles at GSK over those two decades were in digital and technology leadership in R&D, oncology, and specialty biopharmaceuticals. And then before GSK, Matt led the digital platforms team at HarperCollins Publishing. Matt, welcome. It's great to have you here today. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And I know that we're speaking to you actually from um, Cambridge or in Boston. You're actually having an all-hands meeting today, so you are nearby. Yeah, that's right. We have an all-hands today of my team and really... Um, we try to use our facilities for what they're good for, for mm -hmm. our leadership sessions, as well as collaboration. And um, we also have a very flexible kind of remote working model as well uh, during yes. our normal course of business. So we call it Sage Great. Practice. Great. So it's an, another way to show digital leadership, isn't it? Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, let's talk just a little bit about leaving, uh, you know, a pretty enormous company at GSK and doing that for an emerging <clears throat> biotech, biopharma company. Um, why was that a good move for you? And why is this such a transformative time in the field of biopharmaceuticals? Yeah, I think it's a transformative time in, in biopharma. Um, it was also a kind of a personal journey for me, Mary Fran. Mm -hmm. uh, the folks that know me know I had somebody very close to me uh, pass away from Alzheimer's uh, disease a number of years ago. And that really taught me a lot of things about neuroscience. And um, I kind of said to myself when I was looking for my next role, um, I really wanted to try to to give back and make an impact in in brain health because it it touches it touched my life. I know it's touched many people's lives out there. And I really feel like the next decade, two decades, is really going to be the era of the brain where we attempt mm -hmm. to understand these disease states and really try to drive an impact for patients. And so uh, Sage Therapeutics is uh, a leading company in in brain health and uh, you know really aligned with with my personal mission. and that was uh, a big part of, 
um, you know, why I'm on the journey with with Sage trying to make an impact in in brand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's pretty hard not to make an impact when you're there essentially while the field is still green. You didn't you don't have legacy ERP systems just to right. dismantle. You don't have 500 people in IT to lead there. So, yeah. what has that been like for you as the uh, you're not even a CIO, you're a CTIO, technology and innovation. So, how has that been different? Yeah, it's been a really exciting journey. You know, I think when I joined Sage a number of years ago, about three years ago, almost uh, almost to the mm -hmm. day now. Um, really, the mission was was um, I guess simple and complex in a way. I guess you could say so. Uh, you know, Sage had an IT team, very skilled IT operational team, um, mm -hmm. supporting kind of the foundations of the business. But what um, what the company was interested in doing was, at, you know, to your point, as the field of neuroscience is evolving making sure that they build digital data analytics, AI into the business model of the company. And I think at that point in time, um, it really need, it was the optimal time to do that. Had they done it earlier, probably would have been a little too early. Had they done it later, would have been too late. So really the the goal was to make sure that we built, you know, the right capability set and the right foundations to help the company, help the company scale for the future. I think, mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's really been helpful for me because when you run a large, organization in a large company, you develop a set of, of leadership skills that mm -hmm. are geared towards that kind of a macro environment. And I think it's, you know, growing my leadership set into something that's a more emerging, almost startup kind of company, you could say, yeah. has really helped from, you know, developing agility, focus, pivoting, and, and making sure you can react quickly as new developments and, and the company mm -hmm. grows. And so I think it's it's been great for me to kind of leverage my corporate leadership skills in a bit of a smaller setting and drive yeah. a strategic impact, you know, essentially across the whole, across the whole company. Because as you say, my role isn't just tech, um, it's capability mm -hmm. driven. So everything we're doing from a capability perspective, transformation perspective, it's all within, it's all within my set of responsibilities. So. Great. Okay. Let's, let's leverage, let's pivot up to that 30,000 foot view of sure the industry. I was looking, I was doing some research on the biotech industry yeah. and came across one source talking about the 13 best industries to invest in this year in 2023. Sure. And leading that list was biotech. And right sure. behind it was artificial intelligence. So yeah. let's talk about what you have been, what sort of impact you've seen on uh, Sage's business and on the customers during these past three years, especially. And tell us also a little bit more about who those customers are. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I think um, to your point, it, it's just a really exciting time to to be in biotech. So it doesn't surprise me at all that the list that you looked up, you know, mm -hmm. investing in growth of biotech, investing in growth of AI, um, you know, uh, to me, what I'm very curious about is kind of the combination of those two things. So kind mm -hmm. of um, not just making it biotech, but making it bio plus tech, right? Like making sure that okay. we're we're leveraging the best of those, you know, both of those things and, and bringing them together to drive, you know, innovation uh, across the overall value chain and across the overall business model. So as you say, I think mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's an exciting time because it's not just about, you know, innovating in the lab anymore. That's absolutely critically important. Yeah. But it's also about making sure that we innovate across the entirety of our business model and really right. using the the digital plus the um the science innovation kind of that we do. And that's what's yeah. been exciting about Sage. And I think to your point about the external world, 
Um, you know, my team uh, and our capabilities do that across the the business model. So everything, you know, to your point from mm-hmm. how we think about commercialization of a new product and, and channels mm-hmm. of engagement with customers through how we handle our clinical development processes to even how we think about um, early stage research, right? And how we understand yeah. uh, new designs of, of new molecules. All of those things are very um, data intensive processes. Mm-hmm. And, and now we really have the, the skills and the tool sets to make the best use of that data to drive value for the company and by proxy, driving value and impact for, for the patients out there. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm biased. I'm a, I'm a life science person. I was in a different industry before life science. Yeah. But um, to, to me, personally, it's I, I couldn't imagine um, a more exciting industry and, and spot to be specifically in brain health as well at the moment. Well, and I think, too, for, um, for, for the average public member, life science and brain science probably sounds like they're pretty much in the same basket. But when we talked earlier, you were saying that the brain health space is actually quite different. Uh, explain that a little bit more. Why is it so different? It's very different and not, you know, not to get into a lot of the, the technical minutia of it, but if we just stay at a high level, um, throughout my career, I've done a lot of work in oncology and, and specialty diseases and, and mm-hmm. other things where um, the the um, biomarkers, if you will, it's a technical term, but the, the mm-hmm. biology of it is well characterized, well known, the ability to assay and understand those things is, re- is really well known. Well, um, the brain is a bit of a different a different space. There are certain mm-hmm. um, there are certain diseases of the brain that we can only understand by asking questions and, and getting responses or using um, what are called validated instruments, which are, are basically um, responses from from patients. There are many disease states where that's the case, and there are there are many where you can't actually get a biologically um, derived test at the moment that's going to tell you something very quanti- like quantitative biologically about the disease state. So yeah. it's different than, uh, in some ways, a traditional one. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I think that um, that creates the environment where we can actually progress in brand health over the next decade or two and actually drive towards an improvement in quantification. And for the tech folks out there, what does that mean? Well, that means that if you're interested in brain health and you're interested Mm -hmm. in technology and you're interested in data, there is a lot of opportunity for you to get involved in the process and and help with that evolution of brain health moving forward where we're going to be fusing the digital technologies kind of plus the science. That's why it's so exciting. Um, and it's interesting you say that. I it, listening to you talk, it almost sounds like you're on. You sound more like you're on the science team than <laughs> on the technology team, yeah. really. And it's reminding me of how broad the role of CIO and chief technology and innovation yeah. officers has become. Was is that very similar to the way you worked at GSK, or is this something new and exciting to you, having joined Sage, that you're so yeah. involved in all of that? I would say it's more in the new and exciting kind of bucket mm-hmm. in many ways. So I think, you know, my role, while we do tech work, while there is a quote unquote uh, IT component of, mm-hmm. of my role, it, it's a much more business oriented role where we're thinking about where is the company going in the future? What's the strategy of the company? And importantly, like what are the capabilities and outcomes that we need to deliver to move that strategy forward? So America, as you know, um, we don't use the words IT at at Sage. Um, that was going to be my next question. You don't call it the IT department. No, tell, no. tell us about that and what you do call it. Right. So we call it digital and enterprise capabilities. We call it DEC for sure. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, words are both important and and unimportant, I guess, in a way, right? So, oh, so no, 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 you're, you're preaching right. in the wrong choir. I think words and the right. way we use language is very important. Right. And so, um, you know, the words you use to frame something kind of tells you a little bit about the mindset of what you're trying to do, right? And so okay. when enough. we were thinking about um, the future of the team and the future of what we're trying to do, uh, really, uh, our goal was to be a, a capabilities partner across the mm-hmm. organization where we were driving transformation across the business process. Yes, we'll, we still do IT work, you know, mm-hmm. all the hardware, software, all those things. But really, the main growth of the team has been in digital data analytics capabilities and really driving yeah. that on behalf of the company. That's that's what's been so exciting. And, um, mm-hmm. and that was a very, very intentional, very intentional thing that we do. And so what's interesting to me is that uh, if you ask a new employee when they come into Sage, if uh, uh, if we have an IT department, they'll they'll probably tell you no because they've never heard the words IT at Sage. So, <laughs> well, we have we have DAC, we have a digital organization, but yeah. we don't have an IT organization. And um, like I said, IT work is important. It's just um, it's not how we frame our partnership with the company or our leadership at the company. So. Okay. Well, and that actually pivots nicely to my next question about your own marching orders. And I mean, we, we've talked a little bit about why you decided to join the company and how this is a personal as well as a professional mission for you. But coming into the role, what did the CEO and the rest of the leadership team, what did they want you to do for them in terms of creating a digital business model? Because we mentioned it's it's a green right. field. So there's all kinds of exciting things you could do. Yes. And also lots of exciting mistakes you could make. So um, what yeah. were your marching orders coming in? I, yeah, I think that that part was was great for me. So I think, mm-hmm. as anybody who's probably listening to this call knows, you know, the ability to go on a digital journey with any company, their skills are important, capabilities mm-hmm. are important. But at the end of the day, leadership is is critical. And I think um, what I found at Sage was a a group of leaders uh, all the way up in the highest levels of the company that understood that infusing the organization with these kinds of skills and techniques and platforms was mm-hmm. actually critical to the ability to grow and scale. They, that was was very well, very, very well understood, mm-hmm. uh, which is really exciting for me as a, as a new employee coming into the company. Uh, I think the, the part where, um, where I fit in, I guess you could say, is how do we get there? Like we, we know... Mm-hmm. We know point B is where we need to get to, but how do we do that? And what are the things that we choose to do? And importantly, you know, what are the things we choose not to do? You know, I think that yes, that element absolutely. absolutely critical because the one thing that I'm always coaching teams on is it's you know, digital is not about chasing shiny objects. Mm-hmm. It's not about chasing problems that don't matter. Digital at its core, data analytics at its core is about what is the company trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? And how mm-hmm. does that digital skill set and capability uh, skill set fit into transforming a firm to achieve what it's attempting to do and maybe drive what it's attempting to do? So that that was kind of um, the the role scope, I guess you could say, coming into yeah. it. You know, and and that's what we did. So within you know, I said. 90 days of, of coming in. I'd, I'd actually met everybody in the company within 90 days, which uh, was amazing. Yeah. I couldn't have done <laughs> Something that. Something you can't uh, do when there's more yeah. than 120,000 employees. Yeah. yeah I, I couldn't have done that if I tried. Right. And uh, yeah. that was, that was super, super great. And then, yeah, we just really thought about 
what was that journey and and what was that roadmap and um you know interestingly what what talent did we need to bring into the team to uh to be able to uh, achieve that and i think yeah. um where we are today to your point is there wasn't a lot of legacy that was a huge positive we didn't have to fight mm -hmm. through legacy to do that um and so now we've we've really established a new model that is the basis for how the company operates and now we're thinking about okay what's the next evolution which Funnily wow. enough, is uh, is the all hands I'm in today with my team thinking about what the next evolution looks yeah. like. What can you tell us about that? I feel like I should take advantage of the fact that you're there at an all hands. What are you being asked? Have there been any surprises, any good or bad surprises so far? Uh, no, I don't, I don't I don't think um, not too many surprises. I think what we're talking about um, with my organization today is really thinking through, you know, we when I got to Sage, like I said, it was that. IT operations model. It was running really well. So the analogy, like mm -hmm. you touch the button, it works, right? Yeah. Awesome. The last couple of years uh, have been about how do we transform how we lead as a business? How do we develop new capabilities? How do we incubate the model? Mm -hmm. This new, I don't know, 2.0, 3.0, I <laughs> lost track on the versions of this one. <laughs> I know. I feel um, like at this point we should be at 4.0. You know, something you know? like that. Um, <laughs> really, where, where we're what we're thinking about now is um, it's aligning our structure with our strategy in essence. And so what do I mean by okay. that? What I mean by that is um, really focusing in on the core platforms and products that we now own for the business because we, we've built mm -hmm. those now over the last couple of, of years and really infusing in a standard way uh, product-oriented operating model across my whole team, right? So there are some some of my teams, my digital team, et cetera, works very much in a product-oriented operating model already. Other teams, uh, a little bit less so. And so this next evolution is making sure that, you know, from a, from a structure point of view, from a strategy, that all those things are intertwined and that we're driving a consistent kind of product and capability-oriented model, like across my whole team. That's kind of the next, the next evolution. Yeah. Well, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more, too, about what it means to be a commercial CIO. That's a conversation yeah. I've had with a lot of previous yeah. guests on the show. Yeah. But we have a question from our alert watching audience, sure. um, starting with a compliment. Great thoughts, Matt. So you need to keep that up, right? Now, can you share one key digital initiative that you kicked off and one that you discontinued? Um, well, it's been more, like I said, there, there's, there wasn't a lot of legacy when I got here. I would say right. there's essentially zero legacy. So um, again, very unlike the, um, I won't use the word traditional, <laughs> probably not the right word, but very much like the normal corporate environments I've typically operated in where mm -hmm. refocusing kind of away from the legacy and transforming the legacy, not the case here, very greenfield. I, I think, yeah. um, as I said, it was more about choosing what to do versus choosing what what not, not to do. do. Okay. That, that that was really the key thing. Very different. My previous roles could talk a lot about legacy, but that, that really wasn't mm. the case. Um, and, and maybe just to use a very different example to what the person is, is asking. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I'm not going to talk about digital widgets and that kind of stuff, but one of the things that we realized, um, and it goes to the broader scope of the role, when we were thinking about the roadmap and thinking about the fact that it wasn't just transforming my team, it was transforming mm -hmm. the whole organization, was that we didn't have a transformation capability. There was there wasn't a like there wasn't a, a transformation person <laughs> you could go right. talk to and say, hey, how do we transform things? 
Um, and it's like, more oh, that like you my, were you were creating and building them out more than transforming, right? Correct. Okay. Right. And 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 so. Uh, like a lot of things in biotech, when you ask that question of who's that person, well, it, the, the answer is almost usually it's you, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, okay. along with my, my other roles, um, becoming kind of our <laughs> transformation officer was 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 a component of that. So we actually created um, what we called our transformation office, uh, mm-hmm. mostly staffed with external, you know, external staff. It wasn't a lot of internal people, but okay. we really used that as the basis to pull together all of the different threads that we were pulling on on digital and capability development and transformation across the company and bring them together into one coherent capability area that is actually in my team within the tech organization mm-hmm. and actually use that as a way to, to coordinate and drive impact across everything that we were doing from a transformation angle across across Sage, which, which to me um, was exceptionally powerful. Like I don't think had we not taken that step, we probably wouldn't be where we are today with a full-fledged digital organization, mm-hmm. data analytics organization with a course set of platforms, ops, cyber, you know, all those things um, were components of our transformation journey. And I think recognizing that you need transformation in and of itself as a capability and recognizing that we needed that skill set was was core. So that was one one example, one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that we realized we needed and we started very, very much at the beginning of the journey. So what about, was there anything that you did get started as a digital initiative that it became apparent that it was too early or not going to have the the best results or uh, it's just, it's always tricky getting CIOs to talk about, well, what did you try that didn't work? But in a lot of ways that can be so educational and important to your, to your colleagues and your peers in IT leadership. Well, yeah, what I would say there, Mary Friend, is um, some um, taking a little bit of a different example to what you're describing mm-hmm. because because we work across the whole across the whole company. Yeah, it is we do um, part of what we do is within research and development, right? And and inherently, um, for those that know biotech and pharma, mm-hmm. R and D is. Um, it's the place where you're doing uh, development work, research. Yeah, it's your right? sandbox. It's yeah, it's your sandbox. Mm-hmm. It's your experiments, and so. Um, what, what's been important for us is as we're thinking about new things like novel digital biomarkers, um, incorporation of digital health technology into our clinical trials, it's been really critical that we um, don't get out ahead of what it is we're attempting to do. So, so, as an, mm-hmm. so as an example, there have been cases where we thought, hey, this piece of technology would work for this product. This piece of technology would work for this program. Mm-hmm. But it's been very important not to get too far ahead of that and make sure that what we're attempting to do is tracking with the actual development program itself. So there have mm-hmm. been ideas, there have been things that we've progressed that we've said, actually, well, we're going to pause that right now because that's not the yeah. right for the program. So that it's mm-hmm. my point there is um, whenever you're doing innovation and experimental work, it's just important to have the mindset of maintaining flexibility and, and mm-hmm. don't kind of don't trick yourself into thinking like, hey, I'm working on this this will be a, a permanent thing in the future that we're absolutely like always maintain yeah. that flexibility. If we've gotten to this point, is this still the right decision? You know? Okay. So okay. Well, and let's, let's auger in a little bit more and talk about the scope and the focus of your deck team today, your digital and enterprise capabilities. It's not yeah. just internal folks because the team is relatively yes. small, a few dozen yeah. people in it. And yeah, so- that's a fair, fair estimate. All right. So how is, how do you have it structured? How are you managing yeah. all of that? Yeah. 
Yeah, great question. So, um, like I said, you know, our our thoughts about the structure and the operating model of DEC follow the follow our strategy, right? And so, right, I'm going to shock you to to hear that. Um, uh, <laughs> one of our core teams is what we call uh, digital innovation, right? Like that mm -hmm. that group didn't exist when I got here. It's it's very important to how we commercialize new products, as an example. So within mm -hmm. digital innovation. Part of that team focuses on omni-channel customer experience, making sure we have the right platforms and capabilities to launch new products in a, in a digital world, digital first world. Um, that's one part of that. And then the other part of that team works with our you know, early science teams and our R&D teams trying to figure out how do we fuse digital with the science to make sure we're maximizing outcomes, right? So okay. that's um, it's kind of two components of that. That's digital innovation. Uh, the second team is uh, data and analytics. So that's mm -hmm. we have one data analytics um, uh, tech organization across the across the entire company. That's everything from early research through development, through commercialization, through GNA, and they work on all the cross company uh, capabilities that we have in advanced analytics, artificial intelligence, uh, mm -hmm. machine learning, etc. Yeah. Um, and then our third one is operations. And so what we've done there is. Um, really combining all the capabilities that we deliver for the company from an operations mindset. And so that's everything from how we run our value chain and our supply and our clinical trials to our GNA functions, our tech infrastructure, you know, all those, all those kinds of things. And so mm -hmm. we have those three teams and our strategy is uh, digital data analytics operations. And so you can see we're matched yeah. our capability set with our strategy. <laughs> The, the fourth component really underlies all those things, and that's our cybersecurity and trust team. And so, okay. you know, from, from my perspective, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a very big believer in, in that area. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, cybersecurity, I know everyone believes it's important. It is, it is critically important. I actually think it's an enabler of, of the future. I think companies that yeah, has to really be, yeah. build a very strong <laughs> capability in, in cyber and trust Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see beneficial outcomes, you know, el elsewhere, elsewhere in the company. So, um, that area reports directly to me as well. That's our fourth, our fourth spot. So. And is that, are any one of those areas strictly done on an outsourced basis where you work with a third party provider rather than trying to build up internal capability? Right. So not surprisingly, you know, the way that we view that is where we need expertise that we believe mm -hmm. is core to driving that those folks are in my team they're employees of the company um yeah. where we have more commodity operations and importantly for us as an emerging company where we can get scale faster mm -hmm. those are the areas that we outsource and so okay. um we have a balance but we do a, a heavy amount of utilization of external resources uh, because of volume and scale we're we're an emerging company but we do mm -hmm. our emphasis on our internal talent is very much where we we feel that we need the internal you know expertise so yeah well it's interesting when you're talking about the three main areas of the the innovation the digital initiatives and then the operational that's yeah. sounded to me almost like the classic plan build run that 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 so many IT leaders have done for so long. Is this the modern version of that or am I missing a really big um, when I say that <laughs> it's uh I guess you could say it's an evolution of it in a in a mm -hmm. sense. I think okay. um, uh, I think the classic the classic version of it though would tell you in your run 
you would have all of your operational services in there, even yeah. all of your support services and stuff. That's not the case. So we we have a, a product aligned operating model. So within digital, that mm -hmm. handles everything there is to handle about digital in the spaces that they own. Data analytics is the same. When, when I'm saying operations here, what I'm referring to is they manage the capabilities for all of the operational components of, of the company. That's how we think mm -hmm. about it from a business perspective. But I guess you could say it's a, it's kind of like a modern evolution of, of what you're describing. Okay. okay. And feel free to declare baloney. You know, if I say, oh, is <laughs> I like the that? idea. I like the idea. You, you can say, well, no, because I've heard a lot yeah. of CIOs recently have talked to me about the people process technology formula, which, you know, it's it's kind of nice that all the classics don't get thrown over, right? As we get into a new age. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, all, that's, all that's old will be new again, right? And yeah, I think- I know, right, um, right. The, the people process <laughs> technology part is is still important. That, that sure. in my in my opinion, anyway, I feel like it's, it's still a important part of the model mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, something like I said, I coach teams all the time on is it's not just about getting the tech right. You know, that that's that's yeah. that's a good bar. That's an OK yeah. bar. But if if the tech's right and people don't know how to use it, if the tech's right and it's not impacting a strategic area of what we're trying to do mm -hmm. as a company, if the tech's right and it's not driving outcomes for the, the people that we serve out there in the external world. Well, mm -hmm. that's great that the tech's right, but it's it's not achieving what what we intended yeah. to achieve from a strategy perspective. And so I think that's if frameworks like people process technology or or other frameworks help teams to get into that outcomes driven strategic mindset then yeah. they're fine then they're fine if if they're helpful they're fine you know i just think it's it's about getting to that mindset that's important though well, it's interesting because I think 10 or 15 years ago, a lot of CIOs would have told you that people process technology and it's important in that area. But I think it was more the reverse. It was yeah. more that we talked about technology and then there right. was a lot of business yeah. process. And then like, oh, yeah, and you need great talent. I feel like in the last five years, especially and yeah. especially as a result with the pandemic and all the uproar around that is the people aspects is that there's been just a whole mind shift, not just for CIOs, I think for businesses as well, but it really feels like it's reflected now in, well, in the in our next topic on the list here, talking about your digital talent strategy. Oh, That's something yeah. you have to have that. And I know you yeah. have a very direct plan where you go yep. attacking that, you know, the team yeah. health, the development planning, foundations, all that sort of stuff. Talk us through that. This is something, uh, you're really talking my language now. This <laughs> <laughs> I am just absolutely, completely excited about. You know, I think um, one of my observations, to your point, is um, people process technology. It's the people, right? <laughs> the, the, the talent you have, the people around you, the culture that you develop, you know, th those are the things that are going to drive success. You know, that that's, mm -hmm. that's absolutely core. And so... Um, you know, as part of our transformation and part of what we've been thinking about, you know, we've really been, and I, you know, probably a, a pretty big component of my leadership energy has has been in our digital talent strategy. And um, mm -hmm. that starts with step one, which is the foundations, right? Like, are we are we hiring the right people in the first place? Are, are we retaining them? Do they have yes. a, a development plan? Do they understand their career path? Do we have the right career paths? Like all the kind of of mm -hmm. basics, but putting a kind of digital lens on it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that was sort of step one and kind of building out that component. Um, the, the second phase of it, or second category, I should say, is really our digital workforce 
plan. And um, what we mean by that is we've picked um, very specific domains within our, our skill set to say, where do we need to develop new talent, develop new new leadership, and how are we going to do that? So I'll give you an example. Uh, within our cybersecurity space, it was one of the first um, digital workforce plans that we put in place in the company. And what happens there is uh, we identify folks within our own organization. They are excited about cyber, but they might work in a completely different space. So we recently had an employee mm-hmm. who was on the help desk who was excited and curious about cyber. And she uh, was admitted to our cyber workforce plan. She got a, a certain level of training in cybersecurity, a certain level of certification. She also had the opportunity to work on a collaborative project that she led with our cybersecurity uh, team at Sage, and so she got she got practical experience. Mm-hmm. And then she was able to uh, originally go back to her um, help desk work, but but also um, take mm-hmm. on tasks and assignments in the future in cyber. Well, now that that's led to that person actually becoming part of our cybersecurity team. So you can see how mm-hmm. all of that helps resilience. All of that helps with our workforce motivation. And yeah. uh, it, it helps the person on their personal um, kind of career growth and trajectory. And so there's a couple other domains like that where we're going to have a digital workforce plan. Um, and then the third part is our uh, digital leadership development area. And that's okay. pretty much two components. Um, one is selecting people from my team that we put on you know, very specific uh, kind of mentorship experiences to develop their digital and leadership acumen from a succession mm-hmm. point of view, that kind of stuff. And then the um, the second one, which we'll be doing more work on next year, is how do we help develop digital leadership across the company? And so taking people from, okay. um, yeah. from supply chain operations or from uh, clinical development or, or other places that have had not mm-hmm. too much experience in digital, but are curious about it and excited about it. And how do we uh, have them have a similar approach of uh, developing their kind of digital leadership acumen. Yeah. What does that do? That helps drive a digital culture across the company. So that's sure. the first year there. We, we haven't done do too much on that this year. Do you figure that out yourselves internally or do you bring in external providers like for, you know, a curriculum of some sort? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I think that depends on the company that, that you're in, you know, to be mm-hmm. honest. I think um, there's a lot of space for external people um, uh, that can bring new, fresh ideas to you and and, and help you out. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a space for you've got a lot of smart people on your team that have a lot of experience and they've they yeah. they've uh, done it for long enough to know what you shouldn't do, right? <laughs> and, oh, okay. <laughs> right. And um, <clears throat> we've had a mix of both. I, mm-hmm. I would say in our digital workforce or our digital talent strategy itself, mm-hmm. it's it's been formed by a lot of great ideas from my team, honestly, you know, and oh, okay. um, with, with a little bit of outside input, but it's a lot of it has come from the leaders of my team talking about what they think would work and, and trying it out and, and yeah. um, getting people to experience it. And and I'd say the reception we've had to it has been, has been phenomenal. It, it really has. And yeah. the feedback that we're getting has been great. So well, and it was the wonderful example about the help desk employee who ends yeah. up in cybersecurity yeah. Give us another example. Where else has that worked? Yeah, um, we have a digital workforce plan in um, infrastructure that we're working mm-hmm. on at the moment. And so that um, that particular example is taking folks that have not too much experience from an infrastructural perspective and giving them 
um, exposure to things like cloud services and, and cloud ah. platforms. Yeah. Um, the, the one I'm very excited about that we haven't done yet, that's a piece for next year, is we want to take the same approach in uh, data analytics. And so okay. bringing people kind of out of their comfort zone and mentoring them in data science and data mm -hmm. platforms. Yeah. I, I've had the benefit of that in my career. And I know that when I when I see a business question or a business problem that someone out there is is asking, like I, I can bring the data lens to it in my mind and understand the complexity <laughs> of yes. to that problem, what it would take to answer, whether it's worth answering in the first place or not. And so yeah. how the question should be structured right, and all that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's right. And um, <laughs> or can you get 80% of the answer for 20 or 10% of the costs, you know? Yes. And and uh that we're gonna focus a little bit more on that next year, but that's um that's uh that's up for the roadmap. That's what we're gonna do. Okay. Well, I feel like there's probably on your roadmap going forward a lot to do with AI, maybe generative yes. AI. T tell mm -hmm. us about what you're looking at, what you're considering or actually doing in that space where data analytics is more on the AI end of that spectrum. Yeah. So I think the applications and and this just comes from um, my kind of larger scale experience throughout my career, we're, we're getting, in my opinion anyway, we're getting to the point where uh, appropriate utilization of AI and, and machine learning can help unlock new value for data-driven companies that are very experimental. Well, that, mm -hmm. <laughs> what's a better example of that than the biotech industry, right? Where oh, yeah. Everything, yeah. everything we do is fundamentally data-driven. Everything we do is attempting to solve a scientific challenge or a scientific um, scientific problem. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would say is you have to be very choiceful about where you apply those techniques. Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's it's very easy to say, well, we've got a bunch of data. We're going to run some AI. You know, it's going to be great. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so follow, great when it gets here. Right. Yeah. You could follow that path you know, through the environment and just wind up where you where you got to at the end of it sometimes. So the, again, it's applying the strategic perspective of saying, hey, um, th this is a core data problem we're trying to solve. Let's take a look at will AI models, will machine learning be applicable mm -hmm. to that? And, you know, it, it doesn't have to always be expensive. I was just talking to a team a couple of weeks ago where they had an amazing idea that could unlock a lot of value. And then we turned around and, it, and we looked around the environment and it turned out we actually already had the data, you know? So it, ah, right. So it's, it's nice. uh, doesn't it's have to be a big complex effort. I think you just got to know where to look. Yeah. Interesting. How do yeah. you make sure that the people on your team or even the outside uh, contractors you're working with are as tied into the business and the commercial side of things. That used to be a conversation we had a lot over the years when I was at CIO Magazine and with yeah. CIO.com, where we talk a lot about the business savvy that IT people have. I feel like these days we talk more about the additional digital savvy that the rest of the business needs to have and what the what the deck role in that yeah. is. Um, yeah. Talk about that part of it. How do you make sure that the business sensibilities, the commercial way of thinking about IT is as deeply embedded in your team as it is with you as the CTIO? Yeah, I, I think it's... Um it's probably two things. Well, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably more than two things, but two things come to mind. So Good, um, that's fine. The, uh, the first one is the, in, I mean, essentially the people that you hire in the first place, right? So, well, sure. so 
Um, what we sought to do when we were building out our kind of digital team, our digital innovation team, mm-hmm. is brought people onto the team that had experience driving digitization from a business point of view. They actually had roles like that or even okay. worked in in commercial groups <laughs> in the past or worked in marketing teams in the past and then were very curious about digital and, and got mm-hmm. involved in the digital side of it. It might have been even in an IT organization at some point, but that they that they weren't thinking about it from looking from the IT up. They were thinking about it looking from the business at how we could unlock it with digital data and technology approaches. You know, so so yeah. again, it's um it's just something I've learned across my career too, that making the right kind of talent choices really is the thing that's that is it's critical to driving transformation and and culture with with your group. So I'd say okay. we're very choiceful about the um, the type of roles that we thought about and and who could really drive things from a business perspective and then to couple that the second part was you know we've we've located all of those digital capabilities within within our team within DEC there mm-hmm. isn't another there isn't another digital team there's not another data engineering team there's not it's it's you're, you're it's, not competing with a team that's part of the engineering group <laughs> correct exactly yeah. and by building that collaboratively with the company the, the right way it it doesn't become a competition and it shouldn't become a competition it's not viewed as that it's viewed as enabling right so the right. i've just you know i sit in on um discussions with our commercial teams and our digital teams and it's it just mm-hmm. the level of collaboration, the culture, the ways of work. I just, I'm just always impressed by, by the teams because what do they want to do? They want to focus on how can we get this right? How can we get this outcome right? And it's not, it's mm-hmm. not about who's doing what, you know, anymore. Yeah. So, um, and and I, I never hear anyone talk these days about, you know, um, deeply religious choices about what technology we're using. I mean, I feel like everyone has become so ambidextrous on all that. <laughs> Yeah, and you have to be, and you have to yeah. be, right? And I think, um, you know, the the world evolves, right? Technology mm-hmm. will evolve, and, and what's helping us today, you know, tomorrow, we'll make a different choice. And the day after that, well, I mean, maybe that day after yeah. that, <laughs> but but after that, <laughs> we'll, we'll make a different choice. Yeah. And again, that's, that's, that's why you could probably tell my focus is from a strategy perspective, like w- mm-hmm. what's the destination we're trying to go to and, and why are we trying to get there? Mm-hmm. And for today, it's this vehicle, Another day, it's another vehicle, but the, right. the vehicle's not important as much. It's the destination, you know. So. Right, right. It's like five years ago, we I was talking with CIOs so much about their cloud services strategies. And now it's so much, so built in as a part of strategic approaches to business that we don't spend much time on it. Absolutely. You know, I have a related, another excellent question from the audience, and yeah. it's right in line with what we're talking about. Could, Matt, could you expand a bit on the business engagement aspects as part of the journey? And I, I think we've touched on that a good bit yeah. already, but this is your chance to expand on that even more. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say um, it, it's going to sound maybe odd, but I don't. We don't think about it as business engagement, if I'm understanding the question. Okay. So we don't think about it as um, there's the business and there's us, or like that. It's not. We oh, okay. very Maybe. intentionally, very intentionally, we don't, we try not to think about it that way because okay. um, we see ourselves as the business. We are the business. We're part of the business. We're infused in the business and, okay. and the capabilities and outcomes we're trying to drive are part of our, our business, right? Like we're not a separate right. 
we're not a separate thing that's apart from it. And so to me, um, it hasn't been as much about um, formal engagement models or business partnering models okay. or those things. Or business relationship managers. Right, right. It's, it's, it's not really mm -hmm. been about that. What it's been about is um, having the right people and coaching them and mentoring so that they, so that essentially they show up as business leaders, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and not yes. as providers or whatever other, you know, word right. you might want to use. So that yeah. in, um, internal vendors with customers that are in those other departments, it's a whole different way to think about it. You think about it very, very differently. Yeah. yeah. And do we get it right every day? <laughs> no, no. Right. You know, but, but that's, um, that's how we are very intentionally trying to think about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Now I know we've taken you away from an all hands meeting and I promised to get you out of here a little bit early. Oh, I've just, you. the last question I wanted to ask you going from the leadership, a leadership position in a giant pharmaceutical company to what you're doing now, what has that taught you? What have you learned about your own leadership style in these last yeah. three years? Yeah, you know, um, hopefully it doesn't sound too, too cliched, but I, I do, I do feel this. And um, mm -hmm. uh, if you have the opportunity in your career, um, you know, make sure that, or if you can, that, uh, uh, you take opportunities that fit the, your passion, you know, okay. and mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the world is a complex place and it's um, it's not easy every single day, uh, mm -hmm. but it's that much harder if you're, you're not as, as vested in the journey, you know what I mean? So right. to me it's, you know, draw if you can, right. And you find the opportunities really try to drive with your passion. I'd say um, mm -hmm. the second piece is, uh, get involved with teams that you're going to stretch and that mm -hmm. are going to stretch you, right? Because learning, yeah. you know, learning both ways is important. And, um, you know, I think uh, the last one maybe is, uh, you know, take the work seriously, but, um, you know, maybe don't take yourself so seriously all the time, right? <laughs> uh, Good for you. Good for you. And, exactly. Uh, you know, that that's uh, in a nutshell, I think my, my key takeaways right now. All right, good. Well, those are good takeaways indeed. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I wish you, uh, we wish you all the best with the rest of your all hands meeting. I assume they're off somewhere watching you live right now in an auditorium. At least I hope they are. I, I believe, I, I, I believe they are. And Some you know, of them may be tuning uh, in. And Fran, uh, on behalf of myself and, and Sage, just thank you so much for the opportunity. It was it was awesome speaking with you today. And just just thanks again. Well, you too, and you're, you're very welcome indeed. And if you joined us late today, don't worry, you can watch this full episode of my interview here on LinkedIn later in the day, but also on CIO.com and on our YouTube channel. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast wherever you find your podcast. And I hope that you enjoyed and learned from today's conversation with Matt Losmanis, the Chief Technology and Innovation Officer at Sage Therapeutics, as much as I did. We'll be back again in two weeks, and this time I'll be talking on Wednesday, October 25th at noon Eastern with Sheila Anderson, who is the CIO of Aflac, the supplemental insurance provider. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining us today. Thanks to our audience members who sent in questions. They were both excellent. And do take a moment to subscribe to our CIO channel on YouTube, where you can find all 100 plus previous episodes of CIO Leadership Live. Take care out there. Thanks. And we'll see you again next time.